Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Redraft Podcast, episode three, with me, Will Stevenson, and my glamorous co-host, Romina Ramos. How you doing, Romina? I'm very well. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Had a, a, a an eventful bank holiday yesterday. Um, hence, no episodes until Tuesday. We're going to take off bank holidays, proper on the day after. Um, but been busy time. We've had a lot of culture. Um, really enjoyed the past few weeks of, of, of being out and about in Bolton, seeing some good bits and bobs of stuff. So um, before we get into our main episode with the man who is in the title, Mr. Henry Normal, we'll um, just have a quick chat about what we've been up to culturally over the past few days. So where did you, what did you take me to go and see, Ro, the other day? I took you to go and see the new writing showcase for Bolton Uni. Uh, that is a new a write a showcase of new writing by students of the uni but that's across the board you don't have to study writing english none of that you can be studying engineering um all these other things but if you do a little bit of writing then they welcome you to submit something in and then you get the chance to either read it out yourself or get an actor to read it mm. i did that as my work placement so i i produced i was one of the producers of the new writing showcase 2021 20, i think Mm. Um, and it's amazing because like the student body, the students that um, produce it, do it completely by themselves just from scratch. And you saw the writing, you know, some of the writing mm. that was there was really promising, really interesting. Um, yeah, what did you think of it? Yeah, I, I really liked it. It was a lovely um, evening. It was loads and loads of bits and pieces showcased, but particular highlights for me. Um, Mushroom Cloud, which was a really short little poem. Uh, from Lisbeth Tootle, which was just great in and out, and it told you um, a very dramatic story in, in, a, in a really concise way. I really enjoyed it. Um, the Terrible Taxi Driver, which was a script, um, which benefited really massively from having those two actors um, do, like physically act it out on the stage in front of us, and I really enjoyed that. A little bit of a dark twist at the end. I think that's going to tie into some of the stuff that we're going to talk about um, with Henry. Um and what else did we enjoy i mean there's so much like um the gorilla fabulist always a pleasure yes Gr- a great writer a brilliant um, writer i've seen mm. him i've seen him perform over both a few times uh and yeah he's, he's a is a plus he's, he's a really good performer as well he delivers mm. it, it yeah you know his storytelling is spot on mm. uh, yeah yeah it was a great evening so like congrats and and Shout out to everyone at Bolton that's sort of working to make that happen year on year because it's like you say it's not a it's not an easy feat to to put together a whole evening like that, program it and get everyone uh, in the mood. Although the free wine did help yeah, with that yes. in the second half. Yes, the uni is very good at uh, uh, bribing people to come to these sort of things with wine <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then just the other day, I went to go and see a little film called A Thousand and One. Uh, which was written and directed by A.V. Rockwell. It was a great, really tight little indie drama starring, uh, starring Tayana Taylor and William Cutlet, which is all about um, the adoption system in America and like family and what it means to be a mother. That was really, really good. It was a really limited run in the UK um, cinema, but well worth searching out and, and finding that if you can. Cause I, I imagine it's on streaming, etc. now. Um, I think it was released in the States like last year. It's just made its way over here. So that was really good. And we you've had Natter recently. Yeah, so I had a, a great start to the week. On Monday, I went down and did Verbose uh, at mm. the King's Arms in Salford, uh, hosted by Ilaria, Lisa, O'Hare and Alicia. Mm-hmm. Uh, great night. They had two cracking headliners. Uh, one of them we both know well, Steve Mingle. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one... Um, I'm, I'm not going to say because she's going to come on uh, in a couple <laughs> of weeks, so I won't say it yet. Uh, but yeah, they were, well, unless you're ever both, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, uh, <laughs> they were really, really good. And the, the level of the open mic as well was excellent. And I was really pleased because I only knew one person on the bill, mm. which is really refreshing because sometimes you go to these nights and, you know, it's good because you see your mates and it, you socialise, but it can be a bit repetitive. And I, yeah, it's like a breath, of fresh air, a breath of fresh air when you... Uh, go to a, like one of these nights and you don't know many people because you're surprised and you yeah you know it's great uh, and then yeah and then i hosted natter on tuesday another great night uh we had loads of people loads of new people we had two mm, students a lot of new faces yeah they yes, were amazing we had two students one from six farm uh, from bolton six farm and one from bolton uni um 
And yeah, it, it was they were superb. They were so good. I was blown yeah. away, um, and everyone was. Um, but yeah, that no, was fantastic. We announced uh, the, the our kick, the doors open. We announced our first workshop that Amazing. I'm going to be leading on the 13th of May down at the Three Guys. Um, if you're listening and you want to come and make some cool zines or all sorts of little arty things, then yeah, come down, search us, and, and uh, the link is on our bio to get the uh, D3 tickets. We cannot wait for that. It's going to be really exciting. And we have to, we've promised, so we have to do it. Uh, we got our first Patreon we subscriber. Did. Which is the ever amazing Lisa O'Hare. Um, so we said you get a shout out on the episode. Thank you for that. We really appreciate it. And uh, Lisa's got her own group chat with us now to chat about writing, etc. Um, and yeah, you can you can join her. And if you listen to the end, we'll have details on how to get involved in the Patreon and uh, we really appreciate everyone for doing that. So, our guest today, uh, Mr. Henry Normal, we went down to his show at the Berry Met, um, and we got a chat with him before uh, the gig. It was a really great conversation that you're about to hear. Super insightful. Um, the room starts off a little bit echoey, but that evens out after we after about five ten minutes. So just give it that. Um, it's a great chat. He is. He was so open and. Um, happy to talk about like his process his background and all things um and a very sort of steeped and esteemed career so yeah i hope you enjoy the chat did you enjoy talking to him i really enjoyed talking to him like you said he was really open it was a really candid interview um yeah i love how he you know i love some of his poems which you, we're going to discuss in the interview and you're going to hear it soon but um i think that he the way he talks about landscape and the way he writes about it is like what drew me into him the most and um mm. yeah it's just something really nice and calming about the, the chat we had with him i think it was a really calming presence and then the show itself was very much a show wasn't it in terms of like it was it took you down a path and it, it had really funny bits. It had like spin on a dime, straight face bits and some polemic, some political ideas in there. Really, really good show and well worth catching him if you can. I think he's just extended his tour into the autumn as well. So there are fresh tickets to go and see Henry Normal all across the UK, um, including at Morecambe Poetry Festival later on this year in September. So make sure that you can get down to that if it interests you with the chat that we had because yeah really great guy yeah absolutely just on that on, on his show as well like the way that the way that it was so funny but then it had these moments in the middle of all the laughs and the jokes and the an anecdotes like these real moments of like these beautiful poems that just like were like almost like a gut punch because you're not expecting yeah. it and in the midst of all the laughter everyone just you could hear, you could literally hear a pin drop on the floor while it was, you know, it was just amazing. Yeah, it was really beautiful. But I loved yeah, how we really. interviewed, interwined that throughout the show. Yeah, he, he, you can tell a guy that's uh, a master of his craft and, and has been doing so for a little while. So, yeah, he was a really good chat, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll get out your way and, and let you let you listen to what you came for. So, sit back, relax, Mister Henry Normal, the Redraft Podcast. Okay, we are in a very lovely green room. This is <laughs> a penthouse suite. Yes. This, is, this, is, this, is, this isn't the usual dressing room. The usual dressing room uh, has got a problem with it. So this is uh, this is the upper dressing room. So uh, if you've got encore, it's a long way to travel <laughs> all the way up here and all the way back. Uh, as you see, it's got a, a sofa with uh, um, some deterioration. Uh, uh, is that is, is that distressed? Is that is that is that like? Uh, modern, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, nothing on the walls, is there? Uh, sometimes uh, in a dressing room, you'll get people uh, who previously uh, mm. have, have played here. On There's the a few photographs on the way up, aren't there? Oh, the photographs on the way up, yeah. Um, not mine yet, but you know, maybe yet. when I die. <laughs> You've got the flashlight. Let's hope not tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've got a lovely view of ourselves in the mirror. Oh, you've got you've got plenty of those lights around mirrors, <laughs> uh, which you don't have at home unless uh, unless you're a bit weird. <laughs> so uh, we are backstage at the Met with Henry Normal in Berry, um, ahead of his appearance on his latest tour, Collected Poems. So 
Can How I, you feeling, I, Henry? Like the full title oh. collected poems. And other landfill. And other landfill. <laughs> I was being too yeah. complimentary there. If it was just collected poems, it'd sound a bit wanky. You know, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the landfill, you know, the, the idea that you fill in. It's all landfill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where, where even, even, our, even ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when it comes down to it, either buried or, or uh, um, uh, burnt and scattered, we're, we're all landfill. That is a, that's a really heavy way to start the podcast. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only uphill from here, let's hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Henry, it's really nice to, to chat to you. Um, we met really briefly, I don't know if you remember, at Morecambe Poetry Festival last year. I do remember Morecambe Poetry uh, Festival last year with, uh, with Lem. Yep, he was. I've got, I've got to say, uh, Morecambe, uh, that was such a brilliant build because uh, you've got John Cooper Clark. Um, but you've also got uh, uh, Linton Quasi Johnson, who was, uh, uh, or still is, um, uh, a world poet. He's, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think he'll be remembered in uh, hundreds of years mm. uh, and uh, probably the coolest man alive. <laughs> Definitely the coolest man at the Poetry Festival, which is, which is the main thing, yeah. isn't it? I'm on with Brian Bilson this time, which is nice because I've met him. He's a lovely bloke. He is fantastic, yeah, but we look forward to seeing that in person because he's, he's very much page poetry, isn't he? Um, well, no, I've seen him live and he's brilliant live. Um, uh, he's done a, a strange thing, a bit like Banksy, of, of not showing his face. Uh, so I think uh, there'll be a lot of people coming just to see what he looks like. <laughs> uh, I hope they're not thinking he's actually me in disguise because <laughs> he's not. He's, uh, he's, 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 he's far more handsome and young uh, than, than me. Amazing. So, um, we get started. We wanted to talk to you about, well, about the whole roller coaster of stuff. Not just poetry, not just um, film, but, but bits and bobs and everything in between. But if we go back to the very start, yep. Nottingham, what was, what was school like for you? What was school like? Um, I, I, th I was quite anonymous at school, I think. Um, I just got my head down, got on with it. Uh, some of the teachers weren't that good. Uh, one of them got sacked for going to sleep during a lesson. Oh. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had a great English teacher called uh, Peter Inskeep, uh, who um, it was an inspiration. Uh, and he did a, a, a thing that really inspired me just as a, as a person, in that um, my mum died when I was 11. And I was in class a, a few months later. And... Um, and he said, where's your own work? And I said, uh, uh, I'd not uh, done my own work because I had to look after my two younger sisters uh, and, and do the uh, cleaning up. And uh, he like rebuked me at the time uh, that there was no excuse for not doing my own work. And then uh, the next day I was in uh, maths and uh, he came and uh, took me out of maths and we're standing in the corridor. Now, uh, so I'm 11 uh, and you know he's a, he's a grown man. Um, and he apologised to me. And uh, the idea of a, a, an adult actually apologising to you was, uh, seemed quite weird. Uh, and and it, it, um, it stayed with me because it, it struck me that, I say I was quite anonymous, but it, it struck me that um, he was treating me with, that I had some worth. Mm. And that's something you have to live up to. Uh, so um, I took interest in his lessons after that, uh, and uh, obviously became a writer. What 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 did you think of the actual of like the poetry you're being taught then, and, and English as a subject? As uh, well, well. I, I I loved it. Um, we did uh, uh, lots of things I still remember. Um, you know, uh, from uh, uh, Charles Dickens, uh, uh, we read Great Expectations, which is on at the moment, which is. Uh, an interesting version of it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, poems I still remember. Um, I, the thing is, it, it just opens your mind to worlds outside your own experience. And my experience at the time was um, a, uh, a council estate on the edge of Nottingham. So it's qu quite bleak in the 70s. And, uh, you know, the skinheads were about and... Uh, um, you're really expected just to get a job and keep your head down for the rest of your life. Um, you know, when you see uh, films from that era, um, you you know, the swinging 60s and everything, uh, and, and then into the 70s, that was all London. 
that that wasn't on the edge of Nottingham. On the edge of Nottingham, it still looked like the 50s. So, uh, so it was, you know, the, your prospects were pretty bleak. Uh, so to actually escape um, into uh, imagination was was gorgeous and, and a great gift. Yeah. There's a great film set in Nottingham based on a book from that to Saturday night and Sunday morning. It's uh, yeah, a seminal piece of work, yes. Yeah. yeah. I met uh, uh, Alan Silito. Uh, I, I uh, started the Manchester Poetry Festival 27 mm, years ago. Yeah, and um, uh, because I uh, was such a big fan of his, I put him on uh, at the festival at the uh, Waterstones on Deansgate, and I put myself on with him, so so <laughs> so as I could meet him and and he could he could see some of my poems, and uh, what I loved about him is that he was a cantankerous old man, mm. and uh, didn't do any poems at all, just did short stories. <laughs> <laughs> So that the sticky, sticking it to the man, like, yeah, e- yeah, even yeah, in yeah. his later years. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think the loneliness of the long-distance runner, the moment where he stops running and says, I'd rather, yeah, well, don't say it, but you, 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 uh, you gather from, from the pictures, um, that he'd rather lose on his own reckoning than win on other people's. Um, that's a uh, that's uh, something that stayed with me. Uh, having read that at school, um, you know, that's a, a very sort of gritty working class core uh, to uh, to you that you'd sooner lose on your own terms than than win on other people's. That's really interesting. I think we'll 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 get onto that because it's something that from the outside has definitely informed a lot of your career in terms of remaining independent, um, starting up, like you say, the Poetry Festival, which became the Literature Festival, um, and wanting ownership over your your work seems to be a prevalent theme. Um, I like to collaborate, um, uh, but the poetry is uh, a very pure form of communication. So when you're doing poetry um the creation of it let's say not necessarily uh the communication of it but the creation of it needs to be a solitary thing um obviously um i do radio shows where i collaborate with uh, uh, editors and uh, uh, technical staff um and uh, even doing a live show like this you know you've got a, a sound and lighting guy and uh, you know stage management um so i, I like to collaborate i i, I have uh, collaborated creatively on comedy which I think is more attuned to uh, something you can collaborate on and and uh, very often if you if you're writing with a, another person um, you'll come up with something that neither of you would have come up with on your own mm-hmm. so that's that's quite interesting but I, th- I think for poetry um, you needs to be solitary so uh, um, I'm lucky to have been involved in both so yeah I've heard you say before that you um, that the thing the first book that kind of grabbed your attention in within poetry and was Pike Milligan's... Um, That's right. Small Dreams Small of the Sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if you could talk a bit about why that was and what about it. Uh, well, I, I, what I was doing at that time was reading every comedy book I could possibly get my hands on. And I read everything from uh, James Thurber and Offnung in the, what you might call the posh end of things, uh, through to Monty Python and, uh, and the Goon Show scripts mm-hmm. and uh, Morecambe and Wise scripts and anything I could get my hands on. And at that time, when I was uh, about 14, I, I wanted to have a bookshop. I wanted to have the first bookshop in the world that was just for comedy books. That was my ambition at that point in time. <laughs> uh, and um, I just loved comedy books. So I, I read as many as possible. And then I, I picked up um, Small Dreams of a Scorpion. And um, I thought it was a comedy book because it was by Spike Milligan. And he'd done lots of uh, poetry books that were uh, comedic. And um, uh, this one made me cry. And uh, I thought, there's something quite brilliant about somebody that can... And make you laugh and make you cry, and so that was that set a, a sort of a mode of operation from then onwards. And and uh, I've I've tried 
whether it be um, in writing or whether it be uh, script editing or producing, um, to make sure that you have that balance between um, comedy, which is uh, a great way of um, making friends with people, and um, something uh, a bit more deeply felt, um, which is perhaps more valuable in terms of communication. Um, but to get a balance between the two, um, you know, seems to me um, one a very good night out, yes. but but also um, it reflects the way we live our lives. We don't live our lives just uh, on a serious plane, and we don't live it just on a frivolous or a, a comic plane. We we uh, merge With the two in between. Yeah, absolutely. And I think poetry can be such a heavy thing sometimes, you know, going to, to, to many open mics. Uh, sometimes you're there for two hours listening to people's most deepest and darkest. <laughs> so it's, it's nice to do, have something... Do you know, do you know, do you know what? Uh, and each individual thing is great, uh, um, but it's a bit like um, Campbell's condensed soup. Yeah. You, you can't eat it without watering it down a little bit, do you yeah. know what I mean, and, and cooking it properly. Um, I, I think um, uh, uh, Lem uh, uh, always talks about uh, um, a salad and not a soup in terms of the, the, the beauty of life. Um, that you know, we want things that have different flavours. Yeah. And I think that's the same with people and it's the same with uh, creativity, that, uh, you know, you're... You, you don't want everything to taste the same, otherwise yeah, um, you get fed up halfway through. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me personally, the, the poems of yours I connect with the most are the ones that deal with the idea of home not being a specific place or a, a, a house or and being like a, a feeling. Um, you know, house, the house was never the same once you left. Is one of the things I wish I'd written. Um, well, that's lovely for you to say. Do you know, I actually wrote that about a girl uh, that I live with who's, who's died now, unfortunately. Uh, um, she was a lovely girl, and I was very much in love with her. Uh, it's just that we were young, and she needed to go off and, uh, and you know, grow and find uh, herself. Um, and she went to London, and I stayed in Manchester. And I wrote that when she left. And um, people have used that at their uh, at funerals. Uh, um, because it's about loss, yeah. um, but f uh, for me it was it was uh, you know the tangible loss of uh, of somebody that I'd um, I'd spent about three years with uh, um, uh, when I was uh, in my early twenties. So uh, I'm glad you like that one. I, uh, it's Jane Asher's favourite poem. She tells me. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And it's funny you should say that because I relate to that to uh, when my grandma passed away in 2016 very suddenly and my granddad very quickly sold the house because he said it's just not the same. And that, you know, that's that's kind of how I relate. But I think the thing with loss is you can, you know, it, it can feel the same. And uh, it, it's funny, I, I, I wrote another poem uh, um, back when I was in my early 20s and somebody told me it was rubbish. But I, I kept it, uh, and then I was asked uh, by a, a woman in Yorkshire uh, if she could have it at her funeral, because uh, she knew she was going to die. Um, and so it took on to me a, a different value that somebody had said that to mark their life they wanted that. I could have very easily have thrown it away. You, you, you never know with poems. Yeah, we talked on the way here um, about that idea of writing poetry based on your own life experiences and that being a really cathartic thing for both of us. Ramina has a, a saying which is which goes, poetry is cheaper than therapy, which I think we all, <laughs> we all relate uh, to. Very much so, yes. But I wonder how and to what extent you were involved in, in the creation of Philomena and the idea of telling somebody else's story and how that differs. Well, I do uh, tell other people's stories uh, in the books mm. um, uh, and uh, in the live shows. Um, uh, obviously, I tell my son's story, which is very uh, close to me. Um, Philomena is totally and utterly Steve Coogan's creation, uh, and he brought uh, Jeff Pope on uh, uh, to help him with it, but uh, he instigated it, and it was very much a, uh, um, a, a work of love from mm. Steve's point of view. And um, I had very little 
uh, uh, input in the entire film. They, they asked me to be, um, I think they, they wrote the part of the priest at the beginning for me and asked me to be, uh, to act. Uh, and, but I had not acted for 30 years and even then it was a bit rubbish. <laughs> uh, I was back to three. So um, the idea of uh, being in a, a major motion picture uh, as my first acting uh, uh, opposite Dame Judi Dench. Yeah. I said no. It would spoil the film for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, I, I, so I declined, but it was very nice of them to offer it me. So I was very pleased. I was an executive producer on that, um, uh, that film. I think an executive or producer, I can't remember yeah, which it is, one. Yeah, it's executive. Uh, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, that, that was just, I helped out with the finance, uh, mm. um, um, you know, and uh, signed a few papers and stuff. Uh, no, it's, uh, I, I, I think it's quite possibly Steve's best ever work. And, and he put so much effort into it. I, I uh, you know, I, I applaud him for, um, you know, for the entire uh, operation. I remember he, he he would talk to me about it endlessly um, before he, he he managed to to get it uh, through. So uh, you know, very much a passion project. It's funny that. So we've obviously we're, we're talking to writers across all different genres and poetry, script writing, music musicians, documentarians, and the idea of a passion project being difficult for Steve Keegan to to be able to put together. Is really interesting. Well, yes, but you see, it's all about levels, isn't it? I mean, he wanted Dame Judi Dench, uh, and mm. he actually went to her house and read the script to her. Wow. The entire script. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, he put a lot of uh, personal effort into, in, into getting that. And, of course, uh, he ended up going uh, with Philomena to meet the Pope. Um, now, the idea of Philomena meeting the Pope um, sounds uh, quite miraculous, but the idea of Steve meeting the Pope seems <laughs> even more <laughs> miraculous, gi gi given his news headlines. Yes, his recent behaviour. In terms of your own politics and writing, is that something that... Because I don't, I don't see you as a particularly political writer, but and yet your work comes from punk, um, and it comes from this idea of being sort of grassroots and coming up through music scenes so is there an interlink i don't like to be party political although uh, uh, in the show tonight you'll see that i'll be taking the mick out of uh, a few people <laughs> it's uh, hard not to at the uh, moment but in the poet poems which i i hope will last longer than the news cycle mm. um uh, what you've got to try and do is look at the particular and, and the general and try and find out what's the problem that lies behind mm. the uh, the knee-jerk of politics. Um, so I, I would like to think that I am, um, uh, uh, you know, very much for on the side of human beings uh, um, and, uh, you know, wanting the best. And I try to reflect that with the poetry. But it's... You know, uh, even your enemies are human beings, so you've got to try and find some way of bringing them on board. It's one of the th great things about uh, humour, is that if you laugh with somebody, it means that you like them. You can't actually laugh at people you don't like. I don't know whether you've noticed that. Now, if you think of Donald Trump, right, uh, he, he thinks he's quite funny, doesn't he? Uh, but he's never once made me laugh, because I can't bring myself to like him. Um, uh, the, mm. So the, mm. there's, there's a, quite a, an interesting thing uh, about the way humour brings us together. Um, no matter what we're saying, no matter uh, you know what uh, um, the subject matter, it could be the silliest thing, but it's very bonding for human beings to uh, to laugh. Um, I read um, Freud's uh, jokes in their relation to the unconscious, and in that he talks about um, the idea that we laugh uh, because we're coming to terms with our own uh, value, valuable nature, that we're uh, imperfect. Um, and so the idea that we are imperfect is, is you know, something we all have in common, despite um, a few people like Trump thinking that they're exceptions to the rule. Going back to other types of writing, though, so you, you, know, you started off writing a lot of comedy, like really staple 
British comedy shows. I started off uh, um, uh, at the very beginning. Uh, I wrote uh, Packet of Three, which was uh, a program uh, with myself and uh, Frank Skinner and Jenny Eclair, who, who uh, uh, both wrote as well. So that was the uh, uh, first TV. And then um, uh, Caroline asked me to write the Mrs. Merton show uh, with her and uh, Dave Gorman and Craig Cash. Um, and then the royal family, the royal family, and, yeah. and then yeah. uh, Mrs. Merton and Malcolm, um, and uh, a couple of Mrs. Merton books. Uh, Steve asked me to, uh, at the same time, uh, write um, Paul and Pauline Calf, Tony Farino, Coogan's Run. So uh, I found myself in the uh, in the eighties and early nineties um, trying to write two lots of television at the same time. Yeah. So I was writing at uh, night, uh, um, weekends. Um, uh, dinner hours, uh, just to try and keep up, and um, you know managed to do quite a quite a few. And then um, Steve and I set up um, Baby Cow uh, after we'd uh, written the film The Parole Officer, and um, it's at that point that I became a producer, uh, and um, I did uh, a lot of script editing around that time. Uh, and got involved with uh, some classic um, television, uh, things like uh, Gavin and Stacey yep. and the, the Mighty Boosh. Um, Julia Davis's stuff I, I'm particularly uh, pleased with. I, I think she's a genius. And um, made some films. Uh, um, my wife wrote a film, which I'm particularly proud of, called Snow Cake, which uh, was with uh, Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman. Uh, so I was very lucky uh, to be in the right place at the right time with enough skill, which I eked out, uh, um, to make, I think, of, uh, over 450 television programmes and uh, uh, over a dozen films. Yeah, that's incredible. to briefly touch on a couple of notes that I've made from the Firehills, um, which is a really recent collection. Um, so I'm just going to read some lines to you. I'm going to read some of your own lines, too, if you don't mind. I can tell you why I wrote uh, uh, the Firehills. Go ahead. So I moved, I moved out to, uh, um, to a place that, that is locally called the Firehills. And, and I didn't know why it was called the Firehills, but I was, I was on a beach. Title. I was on a beach and I was looking up at the, uh, the hills and uh, the sun was going down. It was mm. mid, midwinter, sun was going down. And um, it looked like it was on fire. Mm. I, and my house is there. It looked like my house is on fire. <laughs> and, and I thought, oh, that's actually, that's quite a poetic mm. uh, image. And it made me think, oh, right, I'll try and do something with sense of place mm. so I wrote a lot of stuff around that but but it, it's what I would call um, it, it's the external landscape and the internal mm. landscape of, of the first year I lived uh, uh, in the firehills um, and um, you, you try to um, look at the particular and the general if you if you think about uh, songs that you like mm. You might uh, love a song, but it'll have, um, you know, uh, somebody's name in it. Mm. But when you're thinking about it, you don't necessarily think about mm. that person. You know, like, say, uh, Cecilia mm. by uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Mm. You don't necessarily know somebody called <laughs> Cecilia. Uh, uh, or that you just like the, the general tone of it, so you, you, uh, you extrapolate from the, from the particular. That's, it leads really on to a, a conversation we were having the other day. Um, Romina is Portuguese, and a lot of their poetry has sprinkles of Portuguese on and I was asking you wasn't I about whether you felt that was alienating somebody else but as you just said Henry that actually you replace that don't you with with your yeah, own Yeah and funnily experience. enough um, one of the themes that runs through a lot of my books is that uh, we had a villa in Portugal mm. uh, and uh, a lot of the uh, scenes I would say probably about uh, a fifth uh, of some of the some of the because um, I've done ten books, but probably from uh, the third to to the eighth are um, you know from Portugal. But again, it's it's about finding the uh, the the general in the particular. Mm, absolutely. So, just very briefly, um, a couple of my favourite lines oh, yeah. or lines that stood out to me. Um, Do you know, I love that you've got favourite lines. 
Yeah, that, no, that, absolutely. That in itself is is is, uh, is is lovely. Oh well, I mean, thank you for writing them because <laughs> uh, you know, um, I explore for new defects and applaud the absence as a victory. Yes, uh, it really touched me because I didn't know. There's there's the idea of mental and physical defects of yeah. things that you've sort of struggled with. And the idea of defects as well, to zoom in on it, on it as a specific word, is, a, yeah. is one that stood out to me. Because you're not looking for something, you're not looking for illness, you're not looking for injury, you're looking for defects. Yes. I wondered what, where that came from. Um, well, we, we all try to be perfect, mm. which is bonkers. <laughs> because none of us are perfect or, or could possibly ever be perfect. But... but um, and certainly as you get older, I mean, uh, I, I, can't, I, I can't close that hand. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, I can I can hold a cup of tea, but I I, I, I seriously that's 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 it. That's arthritis. That so that's arthritis, and that's yeah, yeah. And and I've got psoriasis. You'll notice I've got various little spots. Ah, see. Uh, and that causes psoriasis. the arthritis. It's yeah. a special uh, uh, thing. Um, and uh. Uh, at the moment, I've got back pain. Mm. Uh, I won't go through all my ailments. <laughs> uh, um, but you become very uh, aware. Um, that not are, not only are you not a good example uh, of a perfect human being, mm. you're not even a good example of yourself, mm. because you know uh, at one point, you know uh, when I was uh, 18, say, uh, in the prime of health, uh, you'd have, uh, you know, uh, in a physical sense, almost uh, um, been able to represent the human race, uh, if not mentally, mm. uh, and certainly not confidence-wise. <laughs> uh, um, so. Uh, I've uh, ever since uh, I was um, uh, so my mum died when I was 11 so mm. I, I tend to think of my oh yep here's, here's my wife uh, um, <laughs> just bear with me that's alright uh, Ange I'm just uh, doing a, a, a podcast <laughs> that's alright can I ring you back in five, about five minutes alright bye <laughs> bless her thanks Ange <laughs> They see that that's imperfect, isn't it? But be no, exactly. beautiful at the same time. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, the, yeah so, uh, yeah, I, I became very conscious uh, of of um, I say growing up on a council estate. You become very conscious that, that mm. you're not um, the best at anything, mm. uh, um, or, or uh, even equal uh, to um, in most categories. That uh, that you would uh, that that you would fall into, um, uh, and so I think you have to then start thinking. Well, what's your place in the world? And um, you're not the only one in this situation. What's a different way of looking at the world that makes sense of it? Uh, that you you know we're we're fed uh, um, on the television constantly this uh, idea that everybody's um, you know uh, got uh, a better life than you, than we have um, uh, and uh, you know if you look at all the American stuff they've all got fantastic teeth <laughs> uh, suntans you know uh, they're, they're all they all seem to be uh, genetically uh, um, you know, sort of modified for for television, mm. uh, and you start thinking, well, you know, where do I fit into this? Mm. And um, the great thing about uh, creativity um, and uh, comedy and poetry and uh, all forms of creativity is it's written by those people who've stepped back and painted, and uh, the music's done by these people who step back with exactly the same thought process mm. of what's this world about and how do I fit into it? Mm. Uh, so uh, it's a blessing in, in a way that you, that you become self-conscious of that because, um, you know, we, we started off by saying uh, the cathartic nature of, uh, of creativity. 99.9% um, .9 of people are looking for that. Mm. But not 99.9% .9 get to express themselves creatively um, uh, so uh, I've been very blessed to be able to do that uh, and to be around people who are doing that and to have fun with people uh, who are doing that you you forget don't you that like you've just said that's not 
the case for the vast majority of people. I I, I know uh, lots of people who uh, who don't really. Well, I say that they 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 may have other creativity. They may garden, or they may um, uh, cook, uh, or, or they may um, uh, you know uh, look after people. Uh, and, you know, and maybe the the what we call creativity is is their thought process in relation to that. One more, just to oh, right, yeah. to, to fluff your ego a little bit more as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I need that for the for the minute because I'm knackered. <laughs> this whole poem struck with me really um a limb that can support your weight but in particular hanging a swing is always an act of faith which i thought was really lovely as as a literal idea which it is and it made me think that's very true but is that metaphor of sort of olive branches through to the future as well uh, yes, I mean th- this is a particular tree. Um, uh, again, it's about finding the general in the in the particular a particular tree that uh, that w- w- my son, who's uh, quite a big lad, uh, uh, six foot four, and you know uh, um, he eats a lot. So he, he, you know, um, that's got to be a good limb for him to swing on. Uh, so I was very conscious of the fact that that it was an act of faith, but. We, we have these acts of faith all the time. If you're driving down the road and somebody's driving down the opposite lane um, and you're going at 60 miles an hour and they're going at 60 miles an hour, that's you could crash at 120 miles an hour. And the only thing that's stopping you from crashing is a little bit of paint in the middle of the road. So there's a great faith that you have in the self-preservation of the person in the other car and on your own ability to stay your side of the, uh, of the line. And, uh, you know, I so said, I've just driven up from uh, from the south coast, so that's, uh, you know, sort of about six hours, um, having faith in other people to, to stay to stay within their lines. Um, and uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of that, and uh, w- I didn't put the swing up. So, um, the, the, you know, it was an act of faith, whoever put the swing up, and an act of faith uh, for myself and Angela to allow Johnny on it, and an act of faith of Johnny to actually get on it, um, but I love the fact that that he does his own thing. That, that I mean, the, the part of the uh, the poem is is the fact that whereas most people would swing backwards and forwards, Johnny likes swinging from side to side, and and th- that was the image that struck me. Um, th- really, that's the image I'm I'm getting to, um, and I, I love it when um, an image will present itself. Uh, and you'll think it's it's got um, uh, a deeper significance, uh, and the fact that Johnny likes to do his own thing uh, and uh, enjoys it, and and uh, you know if you tell him to go backwards and forwards, he won't enjoy it. He'll enjoy going side to side. Um, there are theories that um, uh, a bit like um, uh, Socrates' tale of the cave and uh, and the Matrix and whatever that we are all. Um, avatars to experience things that we can't really explain in a different way mm-hmm. that we need to to live through this form to actually be able to understand these these metaphors um, I don't know whether that's the case but it's it's you know uh, um, along with all the rest of the religious uh, thought processes quite interesting yeah really really interesting um so i know we're we're reaching approaching the hour mark so i'll i'll go into the um kind of end of the interview <laughs> right, uh, okay. no the kind of uh, final questions but um so obviously you've got your poetry you know you've got like um quite sentimental stuff in there and then i feel like there's well, some is it, is it is it sentimental well uh, sentimental uh, maybe is a funny old word me, well it? it is yeah yeah i feel like the stuff um yeah i mean for me some of it was sentimental you know uh depends whether you consider that a bad thing i suppose well yeah oh, i yeah. mean yeah I, f- I i connected with some stuff uh in a, on a sentimental level like the um the jar of joy you know my mum yes. my mum has a jar of joy and she's been telling me for ages that i should that i should have a jar of joy um yeah. and and little things like that that i just i connected on a sentimental level for me but i, I in a you know in a great way um and then i I found the one um, 
the Department of Lost Wishes, which oh, I yes. which yeah. I found to begin with, I found quite magical in a way. Yeah. Um, but then that last line, you know, just uh, hit me in the feels. I found, I found that a little bit sad for me, my interpretation. Uh, but then obviously you've got your your um, your comedy writing and and everything else, and your script editing, um, and your producing. And I I just would like to know where you where you're happiest. Which which creative outlet are you? F do you find that f yourself happiest in? If you take away outside influences, like you want to have more time for your family, and yeah, you know, purely yeah. for your creative outlet. For I, I enjoy um, messing around with wordplay. Uh, that's fun because it's just you know, uh, um, in the same way as somebody else would do a crossword or they'd do Sudoku or uh, you know, um, Wordle. Uh, um, there's something quite nice about uh, uh, messing around with wordplay and having something at the end of it which you can communicate and, and uh, uh, get a few laughs from or um, somebody else can enjoy. So I, I, en I enjoy doing that. I enjoy going to places um, and um, being inspired um, to try to communicate something of the experience. So. Um, in the book of the Firehills, um, there's a few poems around Rye Arbour Nature Reserve. Um, so I went yesterday with uh, um, uh, Ange and Johnny, um, which is something that you know w we just do as a family, go to places. But what I find uh, uh, often is, is if you go uh, to places and um, uh, different images but also different language uh, uh, can inspire you that um, so I in Brighton um, there the you wouldn't come across um, uh, the word um, uh, nature reserve you wouldn't come across uh, uh, a lot of uh, you know a bird hide right so so you, you're you're even on a basic level you're dealing with different language and then when you get to the, the different types of rocks the different types of plants the different types of birds uh, um, you know, um, it, it, it means you, you're writing a poem that you've never written before because you're dealing with language that you've never dealt with before. So I, I do like um, exploring as a family and then uh, finding something um, possibly to communicate to myself and then hopefully um, for everybody else to eavesdrop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, it sounds like your, your inspiration comes from like just the everyday. Would you uh, yeah, I, d I wouldn't know uh, how else to do it, yeah. uh, really. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the idea of me sitting and writing a poem going, right, um, what's everybody thinking about? Um, right, they're thinking about, um, uh, I don't know, uh, um, the environment. Right, I'll write a, a poem about um, some fish that's becoming extinct. Um, I've, I've no emotional... Tie, tying with that, the way, whereas um, you know, uh, if if I'm if I've got a f fox which I have around uh, uh, our way, um, and 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 I look out and there's only my footprints and his footprints, then I've got an emotional connection. Yeah. That, that on on my uh, drive, there's you know there's, there's two occupants, uh, uh, and then I can write a poem about it because it's to do with me. And it's to do with my world, and and I, I, I you know, I've, 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 I've a, uh, um, uh, an interest in it. Yeah. No, I find the same thing actually. If I sat down and said I need to write a poem about this bottle of water, I just it would never would. But but sometimes I'm falling asleep at three o'clock in the morning, and it, an idea will pop in, and I love to get up and write it. Yeah, so we'll it's do, because cause in the morning. You yeah, you'll f you you will not remember. No, I I've let it go a few times. I, I, I use my phone for that. I'll send, <laughs> yeah. Send myself a, a little yeah, little I started recording. Sometimes if I don't want the light, you know, to wake me up, I'll I'll say it into it. Um, yeah, no, that's really interesting couple more and then we'll uh, begin to let you go because it is approaching showtime which is exciting for us well we're at, we're at 10 to 7 so i don't know what your warm-up routine is um you've just touched on it actually but is there a place in which you'll go and sit down and write or a particular process or do you need conditions to write um I have an office, uh, and so uh, uh, if I have a, uh, a comic idea, uh, um, I might go and sit and write it in my office, uh, um, and uh, I enjoy that. 
if it's um, something that I'm inspired by when I'm out and about, I'll usually just sit where I am. So mm -hmm. if, if I'm uh, walking on a hill or I'm uh, on a beach or, um, you know, I'm uh, uh, in a car park, wh wherever it is, I'll, I'll just, you know, write it there. Um, so some, sometimes I'll just do it on my phone. Yeah. I just send myself an email uh, with a few lines. And sometimes it, it's, it's only the first three or four lines. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll walk around a bit and then I'll get another three or four lines and I'll send myself another email. And then when I get back home, I'll, I'll put them together and maybe put a couple of lines between them. That's lovely. Um, so again, just on process, just before we begin to wrap up, the, yeah, I mean, uh, you touched on earlier with Packet of Three and, and throughout with work with Coogan, you've worked with some like all time sort of comedy titans, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Is there someone in particular, and Lem as well, obviously being a close friend again, is there someone in particular that you've learned something from about writing? Uh, well, everybody. Yeah. Every, everybody. Yeah, uh, um, yeah no. I, what, what I love about Lem, uh, um, uh, and I, I think he, he's become a world poet, uh, Lem, is that he is passion. Mm. Um, that if you ever look at a lot of um, poetry, um, mm. It might be clever. It might be uh, well crafted. Yeah. Um, but there's only a small percentage of it that's passionate. And I'm drawn to the passion. Uh, when I was younger, um, uh, I, you know, that for me that was I, 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 I hated the fact that there was a stuffiness. Uh, around around poetry and um, I mean I, I was a little bit naive in that you know uh, if you go back far enough uh, you know there's people writing poems in far worse conditions than a council estate on the edge of Nottingham uh, um, and, and some of them were still alive at the time when I was moaning about it mm. uh, um, but uh, but it's the it's always been the passion um, and and I think Lem is one of, if not the greatest living, passionate poets. Mm. That's, a, that's a lovely statement to begin to wrap up on. We're going to ask you our final question. Well, more specifically, Romina is going to ask you our final question. On the Redraft podcast, we always ask uh, this, and it's, it's a big question, you know. Is it, is it why, why are baboons' bottoms red? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, everyone's got a different answer, and you know it is a big question. I think we both kind of struggled to answer it in our own episodes. But um, if you had the opportunity to go back and redraft a piece of work or an area of your career, what would that be? Um, just lots of people I'd have been kinder to. It's as simple as that, uh, um, including myself. Um, yeah, just I, I I was very impatient when I was younger, um, thinking that, that there was somewhere to get to that you had to get to when you were young. Um, and so I, I probably want as uh, kind to people as I should have been. That's, that's a lovely response. Um, yeah, it, yeah. it informs a lot of what the discussions again that we've been having recently about the purpose of writing and, and we're all just trying to get our thoughts and feelings out there, aren't we? And you try not to squash people along the way, I guess. And, and it's nice when, when, when they're on the page, they're not, they're not muddled in your head yeah. uh, and you, you can make sense of them. Uh, and I have written some poems that are basically apologies to people who, uh, you know, I should have been kinder to. Um, uh, obviously, I've distanced it slightly uh, 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 so that uh, it's not too obvious, but, uh, you know, just a... Uh, a few uh, in there that, uh, and it, uh, you know, uh, some people unfortunately uh, um, are no longer with us, but where they are, uh, it's always nice to um, uh, to make peace with them. Um, I, I did, uh, um, uh, I did uh, uh, manage to uh, talk to a, a few people from my Manchester days, mm. uh, um, uh, having bumped into them um, and uh, make sort of a, a, a peace with people that uh, um, I'd had a bit of friction with. Um, it's, it's strange, isn't it? As you get older, you realise that, um, that there is no 
worry at all. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, if you die, then then you're dead and you don't have to worry about it. And if you if if you're alive, then there's uh, I mean, there's lots of quotes to to this effect, and and probably my next uh, radio show will be about this. But um, it, you know. Uh, I think it was Arthur Ashe, the uh, tennis player, who said, um, uh, success is not a, a destination, it's mm -hmm. a journey. Mm -hmm. And the same with relationships, isn't it, I guess? It, it, it's that you're not at any final destination with somebody. <laughs> you've got, I think you've got it nailed. I think you're cool. We think you're cool, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure, Henry, it really has. Is there any words of advice that you give to someone? So our podcast is, is by writers, for writers, and, and they are the target audience as people who want to be, it might sound weird, but want to be where you are. So is there any words of advice that you give to them? Listen, he's a major character. To, to, their, ge to their Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus was, <laughs> was bigger. Uh, um, uh, just uh, um, uh, as Shakespeare said, uh, to thine own self be true. Lovely. I often say that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> thine? No one from Nottingham says thine. Come on. <laughs> right, brilliant. We will let you go, let you Cheers. get ready. Thank you for your time, Henry. Thanks a lot. Beautiful. So that was it. That was our chat with Henry Normal. Um, as we said, a candid interview, a calming presence. Uh, how did you find it, Will? Mm, yeah, I, he's so calming when you, like you said, I think that's the right word really great to chat with him um really enjoyed the show and really enjoying his his work as well on the page and it comes across so differently i think you get a real glimpse of the guy behind the poems in the chat so i hope that the people enjoyed it um what are we doing what are we doing next ro what's what, where can people catch us so next up uh yeah we've got our first workshop for the cic the doors open so the doors open to making zines uh, we are going to be uh, facilitating that at the Three Guys Cafe on the 13th of May. It's a Saturday, uh, early evening, 6 to 8. You don't need to bring anything other than yourself mm -hmm. and an idea. We're going to provide all the materials. It's free to get in. We're going to have a raffle. There's going to be great coffee on, lots of hot natters for you as well. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a great evening. So if you want to catch that, then please follow us if you don't at the doors open and go on our link and it's all there absolutely it is free but you do need to book because we have limited places and limited spaces in the cafe so thank you for tuning in if you want to catch henry normal you can do so on his upcoming tour with uh, nigel planner poetry stories jokes q a and other fun um he's stopping at london on the 25th of september uh, Chipping on the 10th of October, Walton on Thames uh, 14th of October, Taunton November the 1st, Devsey's Assembly Hall uh, 3rd of November and Brighton uh, 7th of November. So go ahead, give him a follow, Henry Normal Poet. We are Will Who Writes on Instagram and Twitter and Romina Writes on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, yes, on Twitter. Perfect. Right, that's us. We'll leave you the Patreon. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Redraft Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this chat, you can help support us over on Patreon. We have three tiers of Patreon support available from three to eight pounds per month. Tier one is the Big Biro tier in that you receive a shout out in the episode after you join, access to all of our planning documents and you can join an exclusive Instagram group chat with other writers to share notes, tips, feedback and more. In tier two, the Fountain Pen tier, you get all of that plus pre-sale to any upcoming live events that we've got going on and you get to interact with our guests directly by emailing in questions in advance and in tier three you get the typewriter tier includes all the previous benefits plus a free art print from printer poet commission your own poem from us once a year and you also get feedback on a single piece of writing and that's once a month and of course you can also support us for free by following subscribing and dropping us a five star review on the podcasting platform of your choice and we are really grateful for any level of support that you can offer we know it's a tough old world out there for everyone at the minute so thank you very much and if you can't support us in that way you can always just share us with your friends tell the world about us put us on your stories and give us five stars we'll be back every monday with a brand new episode of the redraft podcast for your listening pleasure <laughs>